This morning, we're going to continue going through the Gospel of Matthew. We're in Matthew chapter 10, and we're going to close this chapter. We've uh, broken it down into three sections, and um, I was thinking, in fact, I was thinking about it as we were coming, as I was coming to church, I was on my way in, and I thought, huh, you know, did I miss it? (laughs) You know Thanksgiving is, is on Thursday, right? And, and normally, I prepare a special message for Thanksgiving. And apparently, the Lord just didn't have me think about Thanksgiving and had me go directly, like, you, you just keep moving through the Gospel of Matthew. You're in, you know, and you're going to cover chapter 10. I was, I was thinking about it on the way here, and I thought, wow, okay. You know, the, the one that we are to be thankful for is the grace and love and mercy that the Father has shown us through the Son, Jesus Christ. And so, this morning we continue going through the Gospel of Matthew. And, um, and I do pray that you have a blessed Thanksgiving, a great time together with family and friends and those that you um, normally gather around and you plan on doing so this Thursday. But first of all, just make sure that you um, consider... Um, how it is that all good gifts come from the Lord, come from the Father. That everything you have that has to do with um, you know, providing for you comes from Him. So give Him honor, give Him praise, and, uh, and be thankful for Him first and foremost. So please turn in your Bibles, if you haven't already, to Matthew chapter 10. And as we have, as we did last week, we're going to do again today, this morning. So let's all go ahead and stand up. We're going to read through these verses that we're covering this morning. And ask the Lord to bless our time together. All right, so Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. The one who receives a righteous person, because he is a righteous person, will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water, because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Father, uh, these are difficult things to hear. And I pray, Lord, that you would open up our understanding, our eyes to see what you would have us to see, our ears to hear, and understand that that which you desire for us to hear, to listen to, and understand. And so, Father, we commit this time into your hands, Lord. We ask your blessing, and we ask, Lord, that uh, you would move mightily among us, Father, that you would give us understanding. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. 
So the title of this morning's message is A Sword of Division and a Cup of Reward. A Sword of Division and a Cup of Reward. I want to start out with a question. When you think of Jesus, what comes to mind? Just think about that for a moment. Just the word, Jesus, what, what, what comes to mind? When the world thinks of Jesus, it thinks of a thin, soft-looking man with long hair, a beard. That's coming to mind, I know, already right now, right? And one who bends, basically, to every whim and need of every person. But as we come to know the Jesus of the Bible, well, he's, he's much different than the world depicts him to be. He's one who was born to a humble family in a humble place, one who grew up learning the manly trade of a carpenter, one who endured 40, 40 days of fasting and temptation in the wilderness, one who proclaimed that everyone needed to repent for the kingdom of heaven was at hand, that is, to turn away from their sins. He is one who endured constant opposition, ridicule, mocking, rejection, and even torture and crucifixion. Jesus, although some may want to make him, make him out to be one, Jesus was not a mama's boy. Not at all. Jesus was not a man of the world. Jesus was not a man of the people, in fact. Jesus was a man of God and, a, and God the man and was here to fulfill the will of the Father no matter what he had to endure. No matter what. He was here to fulfill the will of the Father, perfectly. And if we are His disciples and He is our God, then really the question is, what should that really look like in our own lives? I believe this is one of those portions of Scripture that we tend to sometimes lose people. Because perhaps it's not what you've been taught before or not what you want to believe to be true. Sometimes we come across those verses, don't we? They just are presented, we're come upon them, and we've been thinking this way all along when in fact it's been wrong, and what do we do? As I've said before, as we come to that place to where we are presented with the truth and it's not aligning with what we've been believing to be true, and we should succumb or surrender to, come into submission to the truth of God's Word. In fact, in John chapter 6, I believe it's a great example because there was a point that Jesus made. He was teaching and it was at that point that many actually turned away from following Jesus. If anyone was not there to be seeker sensitive, it was Jesus Christ. He didn't put on a show. He didn't tickle the ears of everyone that came around him. He, he, he spoke the plain truth perfectly, and he said some things that were very difficult. It was at this time that many turned away from following him. And in John chapter 6, verses 66 through 69, it says, After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Where else? And Peter said, you know, although you have said all those difficult things, 
Although your, your teaching is sometimes hard to grasp. Sometimes I think it's hard to grasp, grasp simply because we don't, we don't want to receive it. You know, it's like, no, not that. Anything but that. Like Peter and the other disciples of Jesus of that time, I believe it's critical that we today understand what it truly means to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, a servant of the Most High. Sometimes, again, it's not what you've been thinking all along, or not entirely. But God's Word is always a call to be united in Christ. What's being served up this morning is exactly what the title is, and that's a a sword of division and a cup of reward. But ultimately, through this, there's this one verse that we always need to keep in mind. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. There are so many people today that are they're searching for answers in all the wrong places. They're trying to find themselves and find satisfaction, contentment, and peace, and purpose, and all those things in so many different places. And what we have before us is the answer to, that, to those questions. All of those things are found in Jesus Christ. So the first thing that we need to do, because, uh, I mean, our outline, everything for us is set in Scripture... The first thing that Jesus does in this section is that he sets the record straight. Verses 34 through 36, he starts out by saying this. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. So number one, do not think. Jesus has come to bring peace. Jesus himself said that. The world thinks of peace in terms of getting along and accepting everyone for who they are and what they want to be, what they are not and insist on being, and even sacrificing your own beliefs for the sake of appeasing others. It's called compromise. But God thinks of peace in terms of Getting right with Him. Abiding in Christ. And we know that He made that possible through Jesus Christ on the cross. When you really think about it, the Bible gives us ample examples of what it looks like to follow Jesus. Fishermen left their nets to follow Jesus. Tax collectors dropped their pens and bags to follow Him. And Jesus called on people to not make excuses as to why they don't follow Him, even though it would not be easy and it would not be comfortable. Remember the one man that said, let me first go and bury my father. He said, let the dead bury their own dead. And he wasn't being, you know, lacking in compassion and just heartless. Of course not. But understanding the culture of the time, And knowing the man's heart, he was making an excuse for going and tending to the needs in his household over simply following and serving the Lord. Then he also said, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So it wasn't going to be comfortable. It wasn't going to be easy. It it, it wasn't going to be what the world expects it is to follow Jesus Christ. See, the world can't set the standard. The Bible has to set the standard. A lot of times we're looking to the world to... 
kind of set the standard. Let us go along with them so that we can bring them in. And basically what we're doing is pushing them further away from what it means, truly means to follow the Lord. But we have before us not only what it looks like to follow Jesus, but also what it may cost. And the question is, would you be willing to endure that cost? Would you be willing to do the very things that the Lord is calling us to do in these verses? That's hard. The cost of the sword and the sword of the Spirit is, is what? It's, it's, a, it's the Word of God. You're holding it in your hands. And He doesn't leave room for anyone to exist on any type of middle ground. I've said it before, and I heard it somewhere, that Satan knows the fence upon which many people are sitting. It's either one side or the other. It's either yes or no. It's either Lord or no. It, it, that's what it is. It, it, it can't be in the middle. It can't be any type of compromise. He doesn't leave any room for anyone to exist on any type of middle ground. There is unity in Him, but division with those who are not in Him. In fact, if you take a look at Matthew chapter 5, you go on to the Beatitudes as, as that chapter is started. What it strongly implies is that blessed are those, but what does it imply? The opposite. Not blessed are those who do not, are not. And so there's a, there's a division that Jesus has is now making very clear that he's come to establish, to lay down before man. You're either for me or against me. You're either a friend of the world and an enemy against me, or you're with me. In the world, well, let it be what it is. But your hope lies in me. Verses 35 and 36 says that Jesus has come to divide. And these are his words. He says, For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Again, with Jesus, you're either all in or you're not in at all. You belong to him or belong to someone or something else. You're either for him or against him. You either receive him or reject him. And Jesus said here, that he has come to set one person against another, e- even from within our own homes. Have you ever experienced that? Even from your, within your own homes. He said, a son against his father, daughter against her mother. In-laws. And Jesus said that, unfortunately, enemies will arise from within the home. But wait, what if you have a wife, a husband, a child, a mother, or a father that is not for Jesus or does not want to serve Him? But what do you do then? The question is, wouldn't God want me to be with him or her or them and really make them happy, just, just kind of keeping the peace? Isn't that, wouldn't he want that? 
That's what, that's what the world would have us do, right? Just keep the peace, just go along with them, just whatever it would take to go ahead and just make things good there at the house. Let me give you the short answer. You know what the short answer is? No. No. I mean, we could read this. We could read, and I hope you do. Read this over and over again. Understand what it is that Jesus is saying. He's speaking very plainly. Not in riddles. This is not a parable. These are words that are coming from the Lord that are super clear. Super clear. The short answer is no. Otherwise, there would be no division to speak of here. No one would be upset. No, no, no one's upset. Everyone's cool, right? We're keeping the peace at any cost. When someone says that another person is too religious, and I've heard that, I just heard it just the other day. They're actually saying, you're making me uncomfortable in my rejection of Jesus Christ and refusal to live to His glory. That's really what they're saying. If you want it translated, you're, you're, you're bringing conviction upon me. Just your words. I mean, just don't even say it anymore. Can you just like, like live it out, quote unquote? And don't, don't, just don't say anything. The expression of the fruit of the Spirit does not communicate nor imply that Christians are to be pushovers either or compromisers in order to keep the peace with others. Sometimes what happens is even within the home, we say, well, the fruit of the Spirit, this is how you should be. It's like, well, yeah, absolutely. But being a Christian doesn't mean that you lack in strength. It doesn't mean that you'll not stand for the truth. It doesn't mean that you'll compromise Ladies, let me share with you a, a, verse, a couple of verses here. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Normally, as we go to those verses, um, what I've heard before sometimes is, is a sense of like a leaning toward compromise, of just kind of bending toward whatever it is that the husband wants, even if it's in opposition to the very word of God. We've we got to be careful there. We've got to be very careful. It doesn't mean that there's no respect. It doesn't mean that you're not um, conducting yourself in a pure and holy and righteous manner before your husbands, Right? But does that imply, as the Apostle Peter wrote that, by the inspiration of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, to be in sin? And the answer, in short, is no, right? Because this does not imply that you are to do so at the expense of denying Christ, not in deed, not in word. Here's a question for you. Because I know it's real. What if he threatens divorce? You're too religious. You're going to church every Sunday. You're going to church on Wednesdays. And, you know, I can accept Sundays, but Wednesdays you're being, you're like over the top, you know? 
You get what, prayer meetings. What? What's it like? Ah, oh, you know, that's just too much. You know, we have places to go, people to see, and your church is getting in the way. What if he? What if? What if he threatens divorce? Well, that's something that you really need to think about. Is that a tough question? It's a tough question, isn't it? But again, remember what it is that the Lord is laying down before us. This isn't easy. Men, how about in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Does this imply that you are to love your wife to the point of denying Christ? Jesus, when he laid down his life, it was for the sake of redemption, but then the person is to lay down their lives and surrender to him in order to know that redemption and soundness of relationship with him. No, it, 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 it doesn't mean that. You know, and, and I am so sorry to have to point out to you some very plain and simple truths that are found within the church. And that is that as we come in fellowship and serve the Lord and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that unfortunately there are some wives that hold husbands back from truly walking and serving with the Lord. Likewise, it's the other way around. And it's the same. What are we to do in those instances? You really have to pray. You have to seek the Lord. You have to be wise and discerning. But there may come a point to where you say, no, I have to very clearly choose the Lord over you, honey, sweetheart. And the only way that I can love you, the way the Lord has called me to love, is to respond to His love for me and put Him above you even. I love my wife very much. And, and I don't take this lightly either. Um, because I understand that, that for me, I am truly blessed. I have a wife that has never pulled me back from serving the Lord. Even though our calendar, our schedule is very busy. It's very full. She'll even remind me of people to call. Did you go here? Did you do this? All of these things. She, so I understand. She is a blessing to me because she pushes me out the door even though, you know, we have kids too. And by the way, you guys see him as grown. Our youngest is sitting right here. He's 13. And they can all attest to the same thing. All of them. And those of you who have been with me for, for many years. That... In order to love them, I have to be an example to them of what it means to truly serve the Lord. And you know when you, when you show them that is when it's truly a sacrifice. And, and I love you, Isaiah, too much, and I love you, sweetheart, too much, in order uh, uh, to, uh, to be a, a person who does not continue to go out and do what the Lord's called me to do. Sometimes even at the expense of some time that we can spend together. But I know that there are wives and there are husbands that pull 
each other away. And do not allow the other person to go. Or both of them go. You know, we've always encouraged our, our family. We, we're in this together. Let's go. This is just who we are, what we do. Some people are about other things. We're, we're just about serving the Lord and coming to church together. That's what we do. But Jesus, what we have here is he's setting the record straight. His coming was not to bring peace, but to bring the sword. I swear, that's tough. And it has come to divide those who are for him from those who are against him. Secondly, lose your life in Jesus and find it. Verse 37, as he continues, whoever loves his father, uh, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This again, I mean, each and every one of these statements are extremely difficult. What does it mean when Jesus says that a person is not worthy of him? If they love father or mother, son or daughter more than him. Well, it, it means just as what he said previously leading into these verses is that if you're not willing to accept division between family members for the sake of pleasing the Lord and demonstrating your love for Jesus through your obedience to him and his word above pleasing your family members, then you don't know a genuine love for Jesus. Jesus is saying that a disciple of his is to love and follow him Above all else, and a disciple's devotion toward him is to be placed even above those that those devotions that are held within family members. As a husband or a wife, are you held back again by your spouse from loving the Lord through fellowship and service, Bible studies, Sundays, Wednesdays, you know, whatever it is to come together? I mean, Jake had brought up Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Sometimes it's within our own homes that we are held back from following through with and obeying that fellowship that God has called us to, to stir each other up to good works. Yes, but that doesn't mean that everyone is going to agree with the Christian type of life, right? As we thought about the world and how it is that the world lays out the standards... Because here's, here's the thing. The, the thing that we ought to kind of like consider is, wait a minute, as a Christian, aren't we supposed to actually be better husbands and wives, sons and daughters, fathers and mothers? And the answer is yes. But that doesn't mean that everyone is going to agree with a with the Christian type of better. That is the biblical type of better. Sometimes an unbelieving or nominal believer tires a believer out to the point of just giving in and and even to the point of sinning. And I want to encourage you, just don't, don't don't, don't go there. We need to continue to persevere, to press on, move forward. Lose your life, die to yourself. 
verses 38 and 39. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. There's a lot of denying of self is what we have before us. A lot of denying to self. As husbands, as wives, as fathers, and as mothers, as sons and daughters. And as followers of Jesus Christ. We are to deny ourselves and pick up our cross and follow Christ daily. You see, the cross was a very common item in Jesus' day. When you saw a man with a cross on his shoulder, carrying it, you knew that that was a dead man. It was only a matter of time before he was crucified on that very cross that he was carrying. And so Jesus was very clearly telling his disciples and us today that the way to be victorious in being faithful to him, there's only one way of doing it. Denying, to our, denying ourselves and dying to ourselves. That's the only way. The only way. And again, this is like, so Jesus is, picture, is, is laying out, is drawing out this picture that is completely, it's just extreme, right? You have to, as them, I see that man that's walking by. He's going to his death. We need to allow the man, the flesh, to be crucified, completely be done away with. That means that our only hope is, is the resurrection life. That's our only hope. That's it. The world continues to say and insist that we are to go with everything that has to do with self. Today it's all about the self. Second Timothy chapter two or chapter three, verses one and two. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy, he says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, and the list goes on. It goes on and on and on. And, and you can take a look at the headlines of today's news and know that this is exactly what's going on. But it ought not be so within the church. This is what Paul wrote to Timothy. And to the church today, the Spirit speaks. What he's, saying, what he's saying is, this is how we can stand and serve the Lord with our lives. That is to picking up our cross, denying ourselves, to dying to, by dying to self. In fact, what we see Jesus saying here is that you can't have Him unless you deny all for the sake of having Him. It's like you've got to let go and cling to. You just can't. Many people today want the benefits of salvation without living the righteous life that comes with salvation. All that's, that's together. It goes hand in hand. The Lord says to us in His Word, Be holy, for I am holy. Seek to live a righteous life. Now we've got to be careful with religious pride or spiritual pride, uh, being arrogant, self-righteous. But we need to... Understand what it means to be genuine. We need to understand humble holiness and, and possess that ourselves. And it's only, only by God's grace, by His Spirit, that we, we can walk in that manner, that we can live our lives in that manner. A good way to find out if you love Jesus is to see whether you are dying to self and following Jesus according to His Word. In John chapter 14, verse 15, and this is Jesus speaking, He says, if you love me, there's that conditional, 
that condition, right? If you love me, you will obey my commandments. The beautiful thing is that when you give your life up for the sake of following Jesus, you will know true peace. Like following his commandments is not a burden. It's not weighty. And when you come to these crossroads to where it is that maybe you do come in contrast to that which the Lord has set before us according to his word, it won't be a problem. It, it, it's one of those things to where you simply surrender to the Lord and yield to him. Resurrection life only comes after we have taken up our cross and died to self in order to know life in Jesus Christ. And then finally, as we continue, just before Jesus goes on and continues to teach, He offers up these these last few words in teaching His disciples about rewards. He says, Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives Him who sent me. And the one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones, even a cup of cold water, because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. So we can spend the rest of the morning trying to figure out exactly what these rewards are but we don't know exactly what these rewards are. We know that they will be rewards. That's the one thing we do know. The prophet, for the sake of being a prophet, a righteous person, one who is a disciple, those are the three groups of people that we see here. And the Lord is saying, anyone who receives them receives me. And, and, and if they've received me, then definitely they'll receive you. This seems to be small. You know, it's kind of like, well, what, what does it mean to just receive them? Well, it's to tend to them, to be hospitable towards them. That's to one another. That's to the one that perhaps comes in and brings a word to you. Sometimes we have friends that come into our homes and, and we are to be hospitable, hospitable and loving towards one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. We are to receive each other in love. I was thinking about this, how it is that in those times that it was very real to be persecuted. It was very real to be rejected and to be really just shamed and, and, and rejected before the world. And so a man who hasn't drank water in a couple days... How does it feel to get just a cup of water? Have you ever experienced like really true thirst? Just been going. It's been a long time since you've had a good drink of water. Well, that cup of water is everything. It's life, right? What does it mean to receive a man or a woman of God when all you've seen is rejection, harsh words? You've been shamed and cast out, persecuted. Well, kind words and hospitality means everything. It's kind of like this, it's refreshing. You're just like brought in. And it's like, okay, I have another brother or sister that just 
is in line with blessing and glorifying the Lord. And it's just absolutely refreshing. I remember there was a time in my life growing up that I knew what it meant to be without. Most of you, um, I've shared this with you. I've said it in times past. But I remember a time with my mom and my brother and my sister to where... um, All we had in the house that we came back to is literally a mattress, a mattress on the ground. And um, it was at that time that, I mean, we even, we couldn't all fit on that mattress, you know, but it was like, it was gold (laughs) to to sleep on the mattress and and not have to sleep on the ground. And and my mom, bless her heart, she always wanted to sleep on the ground, but it was like, no, you know, we... My brothers and sisters, my brother and sister and myself, we'd take turns. But I knew what it meant to be without. This is not for you to feel sorry or anything like that. It's not, it's not like that at all. Because I can tell you that being without sometimes is easier than having an abundance. It, it, it's like all we had was that, but it was amazing. It really was. I mean, we were so close-knit um, the love that we had for one another was amazing, and every we were grateful for everything, everything, everything. I remember going and spending time with our family, uh, my aunt and uncle and cousins. They, I I don't know. They I don't think they had a clue. <laughs> But it was like it was like going and just receiving and, and being in the comfort of, of their home that it was just like it was amazing. It was. It was everything to us was absolutely amazing. My mom just told me the other day that I, I grew up playing baseball and I loved baseball. And we had come back, um, back to Grand Terrace, and we had pulled up to the baseball field, and I, I was just coming up because I wanted to see them playing baseball and perhaps play. And um, and apparently they knew that we were on our way because the team's just like, like what's going on? Like, hey, Raw, you know, and they'd like call me, come on over, you know, and we have a uniform for you and, and all this. My mom told me the other day that there were there were several years to where they wouldn't let her pay for the registration for Little League. I didn't know that. Um, the the windbreakers, you know, the jackets, the old school jackets that we used to have. Yeah, those too. But everything was like so amazing, so amazing, so grateful for all of those things. And I couldn't help but think about that because that has to be the feeling of someone that you're blessing when they have felt parched in like they've been in the desert they haven't had good true fellowship and you offer them a cup of cold water the very word of god a word of encouragement hospitality bringing them in it's like ah oh, this, this is amazing and you have no clue you have no clue and jesus is telling us here uh, you won't lose your reward you've just blessed one of my child one of my children that's what you've done. You will not lose your reward. 
You never know when you are demonstrating love towards someone else that will encourage them to keep going. And you bless God. It matters to Him. Matthew 11.1, and we're not going to continue into that chapter, but I want to close with this. Matthew 11.1 reminds us that Jesus was instructing His disciples. It says, when Jesus had finished instructing His 12 disciples, He went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. So we know that this was the conclusion of Him teaching His disciples. It wasn't a mixed crowd. It wasn't, you know, He said His disciples. That's who He was focusing in on. His disciples. That's who He was teaching. He was instructing. He was commanding. These These were the words of God. So many times we only apply the whole division of family members to salvation, but it also applies to living for the glory of God. When man's laws demand that we break God's laws, who are we to obey? It does if it comes down to that. Folks, like, like let's say for instance, it could come to the point to where it is breaking the law to evangelize, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to even have a Bible study prayer group meeting. And, and, and we kind of take those things for granted today. It could come to a, a time that those things are actually illegal. What do you do in that place? Well, you, you're discerning, but sometimes you have to understand that if it's imprisonment, if that's what it means, then so be it. We're to follow God's laws above man's if man's laws call to break God's laws. And the question is, though, does this apply to our own household? And the short answer is yes. Yes. Jesus, in the middle of this, says, whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You will find everlasting life in Jesus. The hope of life, a life given up, surrendered, is a new resurrected life in Jesus Christ. And if you've come to know that life, then you will know that any division that you may experience today can actually turn into unity later on. You would both or together as a group rejoice in the hope that you all have together in Jesus Christ. A mother, a father, a son, a daughter, a husband, or a wife that have given themselves to Jesus Christ is one actually that you've won, not one that you've lost. And so, understanding the difficulty and of these verses, I pray that we would take them to heart nonetheless. And that if you're that husband or wife that perhaps has been the resistance to your spouse going out and serving the Lord, I I pray that you would simply seek the Lord and ask Him for forgiveness and and allow your husband or your wife to go and serve the Lord. But go with them. Go with her. Do it together. Don't let them do it alone. Encourage your children to serve the Lord. Encourage your mother and father to serve the Lord. You do it together. It's not alone. But make sure that preeminent in your life, in every part, it's, it's not compartmentalized. He is not to be compartmentalized. He is to be preeminent in area, every area of your life. Is Jesus Christ. And you fulfill that which God has called us to be in Him. 
and that is to bring him glory in serving him and honoring him by serving him and loving him, growing in the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.